It's the Shift It'll Do podcast. Time to kick back and listen to most of the best and some of the interesting moments from our national overnight radio show on the Chorus Radio Network. The Shift It'll Do podcast starts right now. How hard is it to take five people in five different locations with some slight delays on a couple of the connections and put everybody on the radio at the same time without it having it be a cluster F? Um, That's what we're about to try to figure out right now. Um, What we've done is we've invited pretty much the gang. Leo's not here. Let's all just acknowledge Leo, uh, producer for the weekend version of The Shift. Uh, He's been doing a great job. He's new to the team, too, and we had him here on the show. Uh, He's not here right now, but we uh, we wanted to take a moment and sort of bring everybody together and uh, get excited. I think a little bit about what we have here. I've been so lucky to be named um, as as the guy for the the weekday version of the show. John Jang is here and John is the host of the weekend version of the shift. Um, Welcome, John. Thanks for being here, buddy, on your uh, not day at not night at work anyway. Yeah, no, happy to be here and happy to be connecting with the uh, the rest of the full team. This is really exciting. Yeah, the gang. So on on Friday nights, Saturday mornings, it's Friday nights, Vancouver, Saturday mornings in Toronto, Hamilton, London, and on the Eastern Seaboard as we broadcast and reach way far away. Um, you can hear uh, John Jang and and Leo on the program on the weekends. Matt MacArthur is here, and we would um, Matt is like the glue. That holds all of this together, also known as the veteran of the program. Yeah, you know, um, so much has changed around this, you know, very still point right here, and I am the point. Mm-hmm. You are like the pivot point of this whole operation. It's true. Yeah. Did you ever imagine when this all started a couple of years ago that you would be the guy that is uh, that is the anchor of all of this? I'm I'm the night captain, you know. I'm the captain of the night. That's what I am. Captain, Captain Judge Shreds. He's also a lord, by the way, a Scottish lord. He's a laird, um, so it is uh, Lord Matthew MacArthur, uh, to be properly formal. If you do want to, um, if you do want to dress him properly, um, Jason Manawis is here as well, and Jason has been our producer on the show uh, for the last couple of months. I don't even know how long it's been, Jay. It's been September, October, November, I guess, hey? or Yeah, three months. Close. Three months. Wow, yeah. hey? Wow. Uh, do you even remember what daylight looks like? Uh, no, not anymore. Not anymore. Uh-huh. Um, but soon, soon I will know it. Uh, and I uh, will uh, miss this, um, miss staying up with you guys for sure. All right, buddy. Uh, so uh, Jason is going to go to uh, the daytime programming uh, at the local station of Vancouver, which is what Jason's job actually is. We sort of just stole Jason and didn't really ask for permission. We were like, hey, we're going to take Jason for a couple of months. And um, and we did that. You did a fantastic job. Now, the reason why Jason's leaving <laughs> is not the reason why, um, but the guy who's going to step into his shoes is uh, he's just like Jason. Um in in every way except for he doesn't like bts and he doesn't drive a veloster so other than that he's just like jason i swear his name is ryan o'donnell and ryan is here with us now um ryan and i did work together in calgary we would see each other crossing paths on weekends uh at the calgary stations and uh, i'm glad to have you on the show ryan um you how many red bulls have you had today to stay up this late now I've only actually had one. And the reason I've only had one is because I worked really hard. I took melatonin. I like, I've already trying to correct 
my sleep schedule, but mostly I'm just so excited to be on this show that I I'm holding back the sleep demons. Like I'm just let's just go. I'll fall asleep at four o'clock. I don't care. Yep. We'll just it's one of those um it's one of those things, and Ryan's been working all day because he's got to learn the ropes from Jason. So he's literally been working all day um, at the show. So uh, Ryan, uh, which I affectionately have started with his nickname of Rhino, um, it makes sense for Ryan O'Donnell. But as we do the uh, Scottish Laird, so what is what is your family lineage with the O'Donnell? Let's get that out of the way. You know what's funny? We actually did a whole family tree not that long ago, and we found out that we're directly related to the actual clan. Uh, in the town of Donegal in Ireland. So we're directly related to the old lords that, you know, rebelliously fought the English and, mm-hmm. you know, tried to, you know, align with the Scottish. That didn't work out. And then there was some things about working with the Spanish for a while. Uh, so, but mostly just very fiercely Northern Irish. That's where the O'Donnell lineage is on my on my side. All right. So we will not be uh, getting him angry. And if he ever does get angry, we will give him some whiskey. He'll be fine. It's all it's, it's all he takes. My dad started me, you know, at 18. He's like, all right, you're ready to go. We'll do it. And the whiskey, it, it's great, actually. You know, it calms you right down. It works. It's, it What's really is in must... the Irish blood. Do you have a favorite brand? Really? Brooklady. Yeah, Scottish. Made in this tiny, tiny distillery on a Scottish island. They haven't changed how they make it in over 200 years. Uh, the island... Uh, Island and the uh, the heavy peated uh, scotch is just it's out of this world. You have to try it. Yeah, all right, heavy on the nose, is it? Hi, hi. All right, uh, welcome to the program, Ryan. And uh, everyone's going to be here through the course of the week uh, this week. And John Jang will be back on Friday. So um, welcome to the show. Uh, you want to greet Ryan? Feel free eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. John Jang has been working through the entire month this month on Movember. Now, here we are uh, with 22 minutes left in Alberta, an hour and 21 minutes now on the West Coast, and November has officially ended uh, in the Eastern time zone. So, John, how did it go, and what did you learn from this month of Mogro? Oh, it went really well. I mean, considering the fact that this was the first time we've ever done something like this on the show, uh, I got to give a full round of applause to the listeners who participated. We had some great contributions from uh, all over the country, which is exactly what I was hoping to see. And we were sitting at around 850 maybe closer to $890 for the last couple of days. And I was really trying to see if we can maybe get four digits in terms of total donations. Really happy to say that we managed to get those donations. We got $113 from Doreen Charbonneau. We got $100 from this handsome hunk named Shane Hewitt. And oh, then we've got guy. $50. Yeah, we got we got $50 from the executive producer of the show, that being Lady Catherine, of course, Catherine Stewart. So all together, guys, very happy to share that we have raised eleven hundred uh sorry one thousand one hundred and fifty dollars total and all of that of course going directly to movember.com uh just this past weekend on friday uh, for the weekend edition of the show we spoke with the country uh, the canada country director of movember and it was just a great conversation we had with todd minerson he was so excited i uh, didn't realize this was happening for us on the on, on the shift and so we had a great chat and uh it all, you know honestly i think this could be the start of something wonderful and maybe we'll bring it back next year and now that Ryan's a part of the team, I know Jason, uh, you know, he's 
He's trying his best to grow a mustache. I think Ryan might have uh, the genetics for it. We're talking about his Northern Irish roots. We're talking about whiskey. I'm hoping to see a glorious, beautiful mustache from Ryan in about a year's time. Yeah, he's got a baby face, that guy. I don't know. You're going to be greatly disappointed. I've been trying to grow facial hair since I was 16 <laughs> years old, and it still doesn't grow in the middle. It's all spotted down on the ch- you know, the chin. I mean, I could certainly try it, but it would mostly just kind of be like a meme more than a fashion <laughs> statement. However, if it raises money for cancer, let's do it. I'll do it. All if right. people want me to do it, I will do it. Not to uh, the natural look. Yeah. And not to brag, Ryan, but uh, I can grow a mustache in like three days. That's just not fair. Why do you? I have the bloodline to prove that I could grow that facial hair, and yet nothing. I shaved, absolutely nothing. nothing. I shaved today, and it's already coming in. See, you should see Matt's beard. Matt actually just shaved his beard. Like Matt's beard puts my baby beard to shame. Uh, that's for sure. Jason Manalis being Filipino and um, John Jang being Korean uh, both openly admit that their DNA is not pre-wired for a big bushy push broom of a mustache. So it's the way it goes. <laughs> mine gets just way too patchy i tried doing i tried growing like a beard during uh the first stage of the pandemic uh, oh my god it was so ugly uh, i will say that sabrina definitely did not like that she will she wanted to break up with me in, if, unless i shaved so uh, that was uh <laughs> terrible Sabrina's the boss of the show, by the way, uh, Ryan. You'll learn that very quick. Um, John Jang, so here you are. You've wrapped it up. Um, what can we look for? You have anything on the cooker for this week? Not to put you on the spot, but, I mean, you guys are going to do uh, some more local music stuff, or where are you going? Definitely, yeah. The Shift Weekend Highlight, uh, Spotlight, rather, is something we're really, really happy about. It's been getting a lot of reaction from listeners who are emailing in suggestions, texting in suggestions all the time. So we're happy to keep rolling that out. And you'll hear a new band, a Canadian band, of course, on the weekend edition of the show coming up. But we're also going to have a conversation this week about the moment you realized when your parents were actually cooler than you were. We just had this epiphany moment on the show last weekend where I was talking with Leo and just kind of having this conversation with one of our listeners on the text message inbox. And I asked Leo, like, point blank i'm like leo were your parents cool and the audacity out of that guy saying like they used to be but no nowadays i'm cooler than them so we got to set leo straight with some humble sauce we got to share stories about when we all realized our parents were a lot cooler than us because let's be honest i think it's absolutely true shane uh you're the parent of the show uh, mm-hmm. i'm assuming you're still cooler than your kids i'm assuming oh i uh, i'm cool Hey, clearly I'm cool. Pfft, come on. <laughs> okay, we're going to have to get one of your kids on the show and then just, you know, make him make him, you know, share their story when they realize dad's a pretty cool guy here. Well, you know what's funny about that is that my kids have been around radio studios their whole lives. So when their mm-hmm. friends go, you know, oh, your dad's on the radio or they tune in or whatever, I'll get some of the hockey dads and stuff listening. And they uh my kid my kids are so okay with it. They spent so many afternoons sitting on the floor of a radio studio watching netflix um they like they've been around it for their whole lives so it's not exciting to them so much so i i don't i can't imagine that my kids would ever get into this world but um yeah no it's not exciting at all it's just like normal it's like boy you're loud you woke me up last night (laughs) (laughs) that's it that's the way it goes in the industry Such as working from home. Okay, John Jang, thank you, sir. We will see you on the weekend edition here of The Shift. We've got Jason Manawis, Sunshine Sparkle Pants, that he is, is here as well. Matt MacArthur here too. Ryan O'Donnell, the new guy. I'm Shane Hewitt. Here come the burns. Thank you, Gary. Gary says, Shane, you may have been cool, but now you drive a Prius. Ouch. Ooh. Ooh. It's hurtful, Gary. Smuggler there, eh? Hey, that with hurts, the, uh, Gary. Like the South Park episode? 
Yeah, it hurts, Gary. Stinks. Hey, Ryan, Catherine says. You'll get to know Catherine. She's on the show all the time. It's great to finally hear your vocals over the airwaves. It sure is a plus when you have worked with Shane. Makes it so much easier. Have a blast. Thank you, Catherine. I appreciate that. Looking forward to, you know, getting in more in touch with everybody that gets in touch with us, you know? Another text from Doug says, okay, Ryan sounds nice and dedicated, but he doesn't keep a baby blue velociraptor. Hmm. Sounds like he enjoys a decent single malt. Maybe we can learn to find flavor, find favor with this rhino new guy. He's definitely not sunshine sparkle pants. Does he at least have tiny arms? <laughs> there's, like, a, there's a lot to unpack there, Doug. Jeez. Whoa. I am a small man, a so I do have small on arms. Different levels. Yeah, like there's a lot going on. Okay, Ryan does not derive a, a Veloster, nor a Civic. Um, in fact, he does not drive a car at all. Uh, maybe one day. Um, another text from Southern uh, Alberta says, Welcome to the dumpster fire, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of fire I never want to put out. Just let Wait it a second. This is the... Um, is, is this is where the audience holds us in regard here? Like, like they're like, welcome to the yep. dumpster fire. Is it like oh. a car crash? You can't take your eyes off of. Is yeah. That it's kind of like that. Sometimes. Okay with that. Yeah. Uh, Ryan night shifts can be tough. Light blocking blinds in your bedroom will be epic. Um, there you go. There's some uh, mm. at home advice coming in here too, which is, uh, which is interesting. I've always find it weird. You ever find it weird when you walk into someone else's bedroom? You know, like you're at a friend's house, they're like, oh, come on in and grab the thing or whatever. And I always found that one weird. You know, even when your buddy is moving and he's like, oh, come on in, man, we got to move the bed. I'm like, this is your bedroom where you do things. It's awkward. I can't be the only one, right? <laughs> I see. I see what you mean, because it's like a very personal space. But as long as you keep it clean, I mean, you know, like got to keep some respect for yourself, your room. But that you have to have a lot of trust in someone to show them your bedroom. I would say show them the workbench um, and also no blacklight. Uh, welcome to the shift, Ryan <laughs> Stuart from Edmonton. Um, uh, Maddie, uh, James in Edmonton, thanks for heeding my advice intros before and after the break sound good. So uh, thank you for the consult. Hey, there, thanks. James and Wamez. Um, Shane is so cool. You could use them to store refrigerated items. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness um, Lyle from Kamloops uh, Lyle's an avid listener too contributes all the time he says uh, you can all be lords captains, generals or presidents of the night show The Shift but you guys are an awesome team of radio heads love you all like brothers love the program Lyle from Kamloops thank you Lyle for the kind words you know I, I was really pre present today to, uh, to that acknowledgement it was some study with some friends and and, um, you know, the importance of just telling people uh, how grateful we are out of the blue without any explanation or anything in return for just saying, um, I'm glad you're here. And I will take that cue from all of your kind words to us to say to you, the shift heads, I am very glad you are here. It's the shift with Shane Hewitt. First, though, we need to invite uh, one of our favorite family members to the party here. And uh, before we do that, uh, Sir Matt MacArthur here has been working on um, his sexy saxophones and wanted to put something fun together um, here to get started with the World of Weird Things and Greg Fish. Welcome, Welcome to the World of Weird Things with Greg Fish. 
He's all the way down in California. We don't have that against him, though, because he really likes weird stuff, so we really like him. Greg Fish, how are you? Uh, I'm doing great. I, I have a theme song. I've officially peaked. This is this, this is, is it. it. It's just downhill from here. It's as good as it gets. So. Yep, that's it. That's yeah. that. That's the achievement. It is very good. Nice job, Matt. Love it. Hey, thanks, uh, man. All right, yeah, so it's, Greg it's Fish, awesome. It is awesome. We can uh, we'll get you a copy of that so you can like have it as your ringtone or something. Um, when people <laughs> reach out to you when you're standing in line at the bank, that doesn't sound like narcissistic at all. No, uh, not at all. Not at all. No, not at all. He says, um, first of all, in the conversation today, we're going to talk about dogs and, and your article that is on worldweirdthings.com. And I don't know where you got this picture of this, uh, fluffy puppy that's on here, by the way. I'm, I'm, is it your dog? No, actually, I do have a picture of my dog for one of my, uh, for one of my articles. No, it's a stock photo. Sorry. Oh, but that is a great looking dog right there. Hey, man's best friend. That puppy. Shaggy dog. Yep. Um very much. All right. So. In the in the conversation of dogs, we probably should start this with uh are you a dog person or a cat person? Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. Let's settle the fight right now. Just the text just needs to be dog or cat, and we'll we'll try to count them up here and see where we get to. Um, in this conversation about dogs and Greg Fish. So where are we taking with the pooches? Okay. So first and foremost, um, I'm going to go ahead and out myself as a dog person. Yes. Um, I have a dog, and um, or maybe I have a mop with eyes and toe beans. Um, really, just follow him on Instagram, Seamus the Shaggy Dog. Judge for yourself. <laughs> That's really the only way to figure it out. Um, the Shaggy. I'm looking it up, by the way. Yep. And, uh, so he is, uh, I don't, I don't know exactly what he is, but one thing that he definitely, the, that he definitely surprises me with is how smart he is and how well he can communicate with us. Um, and actually that's not necessarily unique to him. A lot of dogs are really good at communicating with humans. And the reason being is that we have over between 15 and 30,000 years domesticated dogs to the point where you know they basically rely on us to exist and uh we use them for just about everything uh from just emotional comfort and companionship to a lot of really interesting and complicated jobs dogs can sniff out diabetes dogs can sniff out certain types of cancer they can help people with disabilities. They can help people with anxiety. They are, um, you know, we've really created them to be our friends and companions. And as part of that, uh, researchers who wanted to study cooperation and communication looked at dogs and how they communicate with us and said, hmm, we have a great idea. See, we've been working on primates all these years, trying to figure out how um, primates communicate and have evolved because they're our closest evolutionary cousins. Problem is that they haven't interacted with humans for millions of years, so their language and their communication, beyond some very, very basic things that we can observe, is very different from ours. Whereas dogs are attuned to us and can do things on command um, without necessarily having, you know, very complicated incentive systems. So maybe we should study dogs. That is an interesting notion because there are so many sensitivities that they sort of carry around every day that we don't even, you know, we don't even really think about, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the big things that um, 
you can find out, um, you, you know, that, that old adage that dogs can tell whether you're a good person or a bad person just by being around you and watching your body language. Well, researchers have actually put that to the test, and they found that the older a dog is, the more experienced in life it is and the more training it had in terms of, you know, just typical obedience training in, in terms of, like, human communications and understanding us, uh, the more they prefer people who are friendlier. So they'll set up an experiment where someone will ask for something nonverbally, and the the other person would either give them what they're asking for or try and hide it from them or take it away from them. And then they'll ask the, they'll essentially have the dog watch this and say, well, you know, let, let the dog pick the human that it wants to stick with. And usually they will pick the friendlier human. Now, young puppies, they're still trying to kind of figure out what they're, what they're doing or dogs that had absolutely no training. So they are not really very, very well socialized. They don't really seem to have much of a preference. Uh, but the dogs that, have any sort of socialization will definitely prefer the friendlier person because the idea is that um, in evolution grabbing all the resources for yourself isn't necessarily the best way to go because you're just dealing with a lot of competition but if you work in a group and if you share resources to an extent that allows everyone in the group to get enough to survive you you not only you know just perform the basic act of survival you also have enough resources to reproduce and pass on your genes and your behaviors to the next generation this creates this virtuous loop where you form these packs and groups and tribes and societies that can all cooperate with each other and survive and continue their evolution so is it safe to say greg that the old sort of idea that my dog loves me not because he loves me but because i got the food is that really what we're talking about we give you a warm place we got the food dogs are smart enough to know the difference fascinatingly no dogs actually love you because they love you because they see you as a family member um and researchers have actually scanned dogs brains and try to see which neural pathways were activated so they would um monitor the dog's neural responses when it would see members of its own pack, you know, it's, it's, you know, brothers and sisters and parents and humans with which it was living. And the reactions were the same in the dog's mind. As far as we can tell, humans are family. They, Mm -hmm. they love you because they love you. The food does not hurt. (laughs) Not at all because they are still animals. They are very food motivated. Um, That's why my kids stick around. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, so, so yeah, dogs are definitely food motivated, but at the same time, they do love you because they love you. And also another thing that has been measured is that, um, in humans, when humans try to bond with each other, um, and, and engage in, you know, rituals like, you know, talking with each other or shaking hands or hugs or what have you, uh, they release a hormone called oxytocin, which promotes feelings of closeness and calm. And when dogs look at humans, at their favorite humans, they also release the same hormone in their bodies. It's actually called an oxytocin loop where your dog is just looking at you 
just like it looks like it's admiring you and that's actually exactly what it's doing it's looking at you it's uh, it's basically admiring going there's my human and it feels good about it uh, about it and then you look at the dog and you're like oh you're being you're you're being such a cute little dog and you have the oxytocin loop so that's actually one of the ways that they bond with you so your dog definitely does love you because it loves you and again going back to my dog Seamus he's definitely food motivated and i can get him to do a lot of things by offering him food, but also a lot of times he doesn't really care about the food. He just cares about the fact that he's with me or he gets affection or he gets a belly rub. So there's definitely a lot of diversity within dogs. Some dogs are super food motivated. Some dogs really just want that belly rub and the scratch. And some dogs are kind of just in the middle. And I have, I have a little bonus for cat people. So your cat, Actually, the same scientists have studied cats as well, you know, trying to figure out what are cats just like loners? Do cats like you or not? And they figured out that cats also, well, cats also like you, but they're very introverted and they don't really know how to show it. So they're more awkward than anything else. Like they like you and they like you just fine. They just don't really know how to communicate it in a way that a pack animal like a dog would be able to would be able to communicate with you. Yeah, but uh, if you get hurt, a dog will stay with you or go get help. And if you get hurt, a cat is going to sit there and wait until you pass out so it can eat your eyeballs. That you is know, true. That no, is true. I'm not going to debate. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to debate that. Actually, funny you should mention dogs getting help because. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant cats yeah. eating eyeballs. That's weird. Well, I mean, I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna continue with that because that, well, well without that, because that's a disturbing image. But um, <laughs> so, dogs getting help. Uh, actually, there are uh, there are researchers who are trying to teach dogs how to manipulate um, small tools in like vests. Um, think of it like almost like a busy box for dogs, so they can reach certain things with their mouth. And they would actually play recordings for different things. So the idea is because dogs, these dogs may be trained to be of assistance to humans. If those humans are in trouble, if they get injured, they can't take care of themselves and there's no one around, they run, they find help, they pull the right thing and say, hey, please follow me, my owner's in trouble and, and can more clearly communicate. So this well, that's is interesting. I, yeah, yeah, that makes so sense, is, right? Yeah. So this is, again, one of the reasons why researchers who've been studying primates are going, what makes these little fur balls want to stick with us so badly? And why are they so receptive to this training? Like what's actually going on? How is this? What does this tell us about, you know, evolution? What does this tell us about how social bonds form? Because it's not okay. Yes, we know how humans form social bonds, but where where does it come from before? How can we look at non-human animals and see how how does cooperation evolve in them? What are the prerequisites for that, and what can they tell us about some of the basic things about um, humanity? Because another one of the things that people have noticed is that if you take a dog and you don't socialize the dog and you keep it away from anything new and you kind of just give it a very bland environment when you get it out into the world it becomes very aggressive it is very or very shy it does not want to engage um it doesn't want anyone to approach you know it's it's too much it's too much it's all 
It's all too overwhelming. And when you compare that to research into bigotry and racism, you find that a lot of times people who are raised in an environment where they are not exposed to anyone different or anyone with different ideas, and you all of a sudden drop them in the middle of um, something completely new and completely different, um, they will absolutely start developing prejudices. They will not like the new people who they are around. It's too much. It, the brain is the brain is just overwhelmed, shuts down. I want nothing to do with this. And again, the responses will vary from individual dogs to individual humans, but you kind of see the, the, the same mechanism. If you want to be adaptable, if you want to be open-minded, if you want to enjoy the benefits of any sort of diversity, you have to be exposed to it on a consistent level. Otherwise, you may very well have an adverse reaction to it. Okay, well, that makes sense. One of the things that I always do in order to be sort of a dog whisperer and make friends with puppies is when you go into a house, say I come into your house, uh, Fish, um, I would basically acknowledge the dog, you know, do the hand sniff, but then ignore the dog. Um, and don't make a fuss, if you will. Not in a bad way, like ignore, but just go along your time. And eventually, it doesn't take very long, usually, when you're sitting, the dog will come to you and lie at your feet and lean into you or whatever and get a scratch, right? So you can sort of see that evidence of that social contact right there. So you do the acknowledgement. They know you're safe. You know they're safe. And you just go about your time. And they'll sit and wait and they'll watch you and they'll be like, okay, new guy, got to go say hi, right? And and you kind of yep. get that feeling, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's That's exactly what I do. That's what I always recommend people do when they come in. Just, you know, let him, let him sniff you, go about his business, and eventually he gets really curious. He's like, okay, this, this, this seems, this seems really interesting. And again, that also can be paralleled with human behaviors because there are, there are also a lot of people where someone new shows up at a party. You're like, well, what's this person about? I'm going to wait and see how they behave around others and who they know, see if this person is safe to interact with. So again, Researchers keep finding, because we are so close to dogs, they keep finding all these parallels in how we communicate and how they communicate with each other and with us. It's interesting. So how do I talk you into giving your dog a haircut, by the way? Because Seamus is shaggy. Uh, you don't, because if I try to give him too much of a haircut, my wife will strangle me. Oh, uh, so there's that. Yeah. So there, so there's that. Um, also he likes being shaggy. He is, uh, he's definitely a fan of, a fan of the shag. Uh, he, you wouldn't believe what he looked like when we actually got him from the shelter. He, he looked like a small Wookiee. It was basically impossible to even tell that he was a dog. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he's. He's got a he's got a very interesting uh, interesting life story, All to right. put it mildly. Like it. He's a cute little fella. All right, Greg Fish, the world of weird things.com. The uh, results of the survey is seventy three percent dog people, twenty seven percent cat people, and one rabbit lover. Which is weird, but uh, sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, way to go, rabbit people. All right, thanks so much, Greg. Love the article. Always a pleasure. It's The Shift with Shane Hewitt. Hi, Shane and team. Welcome to Ryan. The Shift is not a dumpster fire, brackets, very often, dot, dot, dot. It's more <laughs> like a box of chocolates in Forrest Gump. You just never know what you're going to get. I'm truly enjoying the show. It's nice to have some fresh meat. Teehee, Tina in Calgary. Uh-oh. Ryan, you better watch it when you leave the house. 
Man, I hope I'm like a Nutella chocolate in a box, you know? <laughs> nice. That's the tastiest one. Oh, life is like a bunch of chocolates. Um, all right, 877-399-9898. We are here to do Are You Okay? Let's get started. Matt, is the moon dial good? It's all uh, dialed in, and it's pretty full tonight, so you guys better be careful on the phone. <laughs> are you okay? Are you okay with virtual Santa? Okay, wait a second. Is this like virtual Santa, like we talk about virtual meetings as being a real meeting, but digital? It's not really a virtual meeting, which would be more of a pretend meeting that didn't really happen. Uh, as, but like a virtual Santa, uh, like, is it virtually a Santa or a digital? Like, I think you're overthinking you okay? it, man. <laughs> are you okay with virtual Santas? Um. Okay, if, if it was a virtual Santa in the way that it was just an idea like you were just trying to explain there um yeah sure because it's just an idea and it can just go away just as quickly um and that yeah if it was a real virtual santa sure i mean you know we got to be safe right yeah if it was like yeah if it was like vr like where i can act like see santa and sort of pretend to sit on his lap yeah if i I if, if i was a kid yeah, that would be that would be awesome. Better. I mean, especially in a time of pandemic, that would be uh, that would be really cool for the kids, not Jason, who's twenty five years old. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for clarifying. A Winnipeg mom has come up with a virtual alternative to keep the Christmas magic alive. Sharon Knutson created the Santa Picks app, which uses augmented reality. There it is, AR, to allow people to pose for pictures or even dance with Santa Claus from the comfort and safety of their own home. Global Weekends has this story. Visiting Santa at the mall may not be an option during the pandemic. But don't fret, a Winnipeg mom has come up with a virtual alternative to keep the Christmas magic alive. I first came up with the idea for a Santa Picks app in the summer. I was thinking about how COVID was affecting my children. And when I thought ahead to Christmas, uh, we have an annual tradition of taking our children to the mall and getting their annual Santa photo. And it made me really sad when I realized I probably wouldn't feel comfortable going to the mall. And I really didn't want to miss out on their annual Santa picture. Sharon Knudsen created Santa Picks app. It uses augmented reality to allow people to pose for pictures or even dance with Santa Claus from the comfort and safety of their own home. Whoa. Whoa. So he's virtual. So cool. But he's not there. So he is a yeah. virtual Santa. It is actually virtual Santa. See? I like this lady from Winnipeg. She's got this figured out. Exactly. Well done. Winnipeg mom. Appreciate that one. Sharon Knudsen. That's genius. I don't know how, like, you must be pretty, like, computer smart, I guess, to throw that together. I'm guessing that it's probably not her first crack at an app. Very cool. Are you okay? First of all, are you okay with George Clooney? Like, the older he gets, the more handsome he gets all the time? Yeah. How is that possible? Money. <laughs> that's how that's possible <laughs> just, no stress right yeah money and uh just enough time to do stuff with it all right honestly um, i think it's i think it's good karma too because he's such a nice guy he gives millions of dollars to his friends you know that's good karma passes on to his body man all right totally all right are you okay with floby haircuts 
<laughs> so um, if I feel like maybe people of a certain generation might know or get what a Floby is, because I remember seeing a commercial for it when I used to live in Calgary when I was mm-hmm. about eight or nine, and it was the funniest thing I ever saw in my life. It oh, is. I, why don't we just run that commercial clip now and establish, for those who don't know the Floby and the awesomeness that is the Floby, this is what it is. Before the Floby, only a skilled professional could produce a good layered haircut. Tens of thousands have been sold to satisfied customers. Why? Because it really works. Proper suction is the key to getting great-looking haircuts with no cleanup. This ingenious device lets you give yourself and family perfect haircuts every time. Tens of thousands have been sold to satisfied customers. Why? Because it really works. And and I think the only thing missing there is what I remember is there was this kid who was like this actor kid in the chair and his hair just looked awful. <laughs> like it looked like it got ripped apart by a vacuum, which what the Floby is. It's like, which this, is exactly what happened. It, yeah. It's the suck cut, you know, it just, it sucks as it cuts. <laughs> but, uh, this kid was just like, I love my Floby. <laughs> it's basically was, was like a, a was it i don't remember if it was a vacuum attachment or it was its own vacuum but it 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 basically had trimmers and a vacuum and you ran it over your hair and i if i recall the only way it basically was one length like you were getting a bowl cut no matter which way you went and uh, there was no fade definitely no not fades. gonna happen nope um and there was no creativity to it at all. Anyway, that was the Floby, but it was awesome. So awesome, tens of thousands have been sold, uh, which seems like not very many in today's <laughs> global no. economy. All right, so are you okay with George Clooney using a Floby? This is what came out of an interview with CBS Sunday Morning. Actor-director George Clooney admits that he's been cutting his own hair for decades with an electrically-powered vacuum cleaner attachment made for cutting his hair. Here's the audio. And have you been cutting your own hair? Mm. I've been cutting my own hair for 25 years. So it has nothing to do with quarantine? No. Look, I have, my hair's like really like straw, you know, and so it's easy to cut. You can't really make too many mistakes. So years ago, uh, I bought a, a thing called a Floby, which when we you were did kid, not. when I was a kid, yeah. The infomercial, the yeah, Floby. This ingenious device lets you give yourself and family perfect haircuts every time it comes with a vacuum cleaner and the clippers yeah i still have it stop it you don't use it my haircuts take literally two minutes i go is is this this floby yeah it's floby that is awesome (laughs) yeah listen man it works (laughs) oh my god okay so there is no way that george clooney uses a floby until you hear the last second of how excited he is to talk about it he loves his floby he does love his Floby, doesn't he? Does he? Love, he loves his Floby. Can I, can, I, um, can I just point out the irony of this? Okay, so he was the cover of GQ magazine. So for him to use a Floby, to me, is ironic because GQ likes to promote like the most expensive products. And for him to be cutting his own hair with a Floby is ridiculous. Because I spend more money than him on a haircut. Well, I have Sunshine Sparkle Pants, but that's not the point. The point is this guy's on the cover of GQ magazine, and he's using a Floby to cut his hair. Oh, that's. I mean, his too, hair is like good. his hair is the like the the hair of man hair, and like just to be clear, Forbes speculates he's worth five hundred million dollars as of like a year ago. So I wow. don't know. I don't think so. I don't think he's using a Floby. I don't buy it. 
But anyway, if he is, uh, wow, he's got to be an expert because that's pretty good stuff. Holy cow. <laughs> um, are you okay? I don't know. Are you okay with monoliths? Dis- no, are you okay with disappearing monoliths? There it is. Figured it out. Uh, just monoliths in general or monoliths that dis- disappear mysteriously? Well, this is one of those ones that I haven't heard yet. So I think I'm just going to say disappearing monoliths. Um, I mean, I would have liked to see it first before it disappeared. So I'm okay with it as long as I got to see it first. We might have to ask Dave Scott about this tomorrow. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm Yeah, I'm. I'm not okay with it. That gives me the heebie-jeebies. Like, nah. But when giant nah. rocks disappear? Yeah, heebie-jeebies, man. All right. Well, if you've watched the show Outlander or read the books, well, then these are those are like monoliths that you walk through. So, I mean, that's weird. Okay. Um, yeah. You know what? Disappearing monoliths. Yeah, that's weird. I, I'm not okay with that. I would like the stuff to stick, the tangibles to stick around for sure. Um, monoliths disappearing, reappearing, and all that stuff. Well, um, a monolith is upon us, a disappearing one, in Europe, right after one vanished in thin air in the States. Another metallic structure was spotted late last week in Romania, and this new monolith looks almost exactly like the one found in the middle of nowhere in Utah last week, which was weird, by the way. The reflectiveness of it, because it wasn't a stone. I think it was made of, like, a metal. It The reflection in it, you could almost, like, it just because of the stones of the Utah, the red rock stuff, you couldn't really see where it was. It was odd. Anyway, that one disappeared just as mysteriously as it arrived. Then it's gone. Then it's there. And now it's somewhere else. With more from Utah, this is Inside Edition in the story. The mysterious monolith discovered in a remote canyon in Utah has disappeared. It's gone. This is all that's left at the site today, a, a base plate. Ricardo Marino was one of the first people to realize it was gone. We noticed tire tracks from some kind of dolly or a wheelbarrow that was hauling it out. You can literally see fresh tracks. Over the weekend, after the monolith's discovery became front page news, adventurers flocked to the desert to see for themselves the 12-foot-tall metal column that looks straight out of 2001 A Space Odyssey. For now, one mystery is replaced with another. Who took the monolith? And where is it now? I love the Star Trek transporter sound there. Well done. So they left the base. So they couldn't have been. Someone had a jacket. Because the base is still there. Well, it's probably an art installation, right? Or I don't know. It could be like 2001 A Space Odyssey that the monolith shows up at the dawn of humanity. So maybe it's an eerie warning of what's to come. But the one in Romania looks different. (laughs) It's We're wild, scared enough man. already, buddy, with the pandemic. We if, don't need to talk about that. If it's <laughs> if it's a like a weird warning of what's to come, Ryan, like we've we've already seen a lot. Yeah, twenty twenty, man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Pretty much twenty twenty's booked now for bad things. Like the reservations are full. Um, all bad things are going to have to wait till twenty twenty two because we're going on vacation in twenty twenty one. There'll be no that's bad like things. None bad things. Nobody's going to die. No famous people. None one's going to die in twenty twenty one. Everything's going to be amazing. And uh, and then we'll deal with all the rest of the bad stuff in a, in a year. But no, we're on strike, man. No way. It's The Shift with Shane Hewitt.
if you could play any instrument, any instrument that you wanted, you want to learn it, I would learn blank. What instrument would that be? <sighs> Matt, if you could learn any instrument, what would it be? Um, it might be, I mean, it's part of my future retirement plan, but if I can afford it sooner than that, I'd love to learn how to play a uh, uh, pedal steel, like, like in country music. Hmm. Just like, like a steel guitar. Yeah. Like it's like, it's a, you know, you have to have like, well, two hands and two feet. Cause yeah, it, you operate like different, uh, pedals to make the notes go up and down and right. sliding across the bar that just that high lonesome, beautiful sound that's in a lot of country music. And that's, that's that sit down looking when they're sitting down with it rested on like on a tabletop in front of them doing the whole two hands thing. Yeah. And it just makes the most like angelic, uh, sound. I, I've always loved the sound of it. And even though it looks like a complete pain in the ass to learn how to play, I would, yeah. uh, I would spend, I'd love to go to just uh, like a secluded cabin somewhere and just do nothing but learn how to play. Yeah, well, you'd have to go by yourself and you'd have to like lose your dog and have your truck break down on the way. And then you could do it, like truly express yourself. Yeah. So yeah. so we'll see. That's that's my, that's what I would do. All right, cool. Um, Texter says, bagpipes. One instrument I would love to learn would be the bagpipes. Bagpipes rock. My buddy Chad, that's what he wants to is just learn the bagpipes. But he's a McCormick, so he's of the McCormick clan. And uh, he wants to learn the bagpipes. Absolutely. Now, Ryan O'Donnell, um, you, uh, if you could pick one instrument, you would learn what? It's really basic, but it's the guitar. And let me tell you why, before you judge me, I am a die hard, die hard, almost too much of a fan of the Smiths. 1980s new wave. It's my everything. I love that music. I live by it. And Johnny Mars guitar riffs have taken me through some up and down points in my life. And to be able to play those riffs on my own is kind of a dream. However, they're insane. They're beautiful. And I know my fingers could never do it. However, if I could, I certainly would. I think I just saw a little heart bubble, love bubbles go off in front of Matt MacArthur's head there, talking about the Smiths and and, and playing music from them, Matty. Nice, man. Nice. We'll have to, we'll have to play a lot more uh, Smiths on the show. Well, maybe Matt, we'll... Uh, maybe like we'll, the Smiths? We have the... Uh, the, the November, no rock, rock, November, a riftacular coming up, you know, in a couple of days. Just saying. It's, it's hard to place. Well, actually, wait, maybe not. I could probably find something, but no spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> All right. Uh, JP Manawas, if you could play, uh, learn any instrument, you would learn what? I would uh, relearn how to play piano because I did know how to play piano. Um, I got all the way up to like the seventh level or whatever it is. And I stopped, have lost all my knowledge of it. I can play probably one song. So I would really love to relearn piano because I think it's probably the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful instruments um, you can play. And there's so much variety and it's so sexy, by the way. I think it's still one of the sexiest instruments you can play. Um, but I would relearn piano. I'm, I'm kind of sad that I wasted all my <laughs> all my years um, uh, learning it. Um, over the years and just throwing it all away. But yeah, that's what I, come I, I really want to relearn it. Yeah. All right. Okay, cool. Uh, some of the text messages that come in, 877-399-9898. Um, the harmonica from John. If I had more space, another texture says, I would uh, 
play drums, rock drums. My brother has a set. I should go there and torture him with learning and playing. For me, it's probably not a shocker. It would be the ukulele, which I did learn a little bit of. Because uh, whatever time I used to go to Hawaii, they do free ukulele lessons. And I used to go to the store called Ukulele Pua Pua. And you could go there and they would get free, um, give you free lessons. But you sort of learn a couple of Disney songs and somewhere over the rainbow, simplified version of it. Um, but, you know, Izzy's version of Somewhere Over the Rainbow is one of the most beautiful songs ever recorded, hands down. And I would like to be able to do that because there's this sort of, you know, singing piece where not everybody's like, you don't have to be amazing at it to sort of express yourself with a ukulele. I think that's really kind of cool. Uh, some of the more texts, uh, some more texts that came in. Um, <laughs> wow. They're, they're the washboard is coming in. Um, too late, Matt. I sold my steel guitar two years ago. Oh, man. Um, not many around. Um, play some Smiths tonight. Damn it. Oh, okay. Thank you for the text. Um, the big horn from the movie Small Apartments. There is a um, there is a, a, a thing that we had looked at, and I've got to try to find it quickly here to find the exact name of it. It was called the Alphorn Beatbox. Now, that's not what we're doing today, but there is music that I would like to play for you. Let's play it quickly once, Matt, um, and then the cellos, and then um, explain what's going on. So can we get into the cello? This is from TikTok. We'll explain who it is and what it is after you hear it one time. Uh, are you playing it from your computer? No, yours. You should have the cello on there. Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry. Sorry, you waiting for me? Swan Lake Remix. Oh, okay. That's That's more clear. Okay, so in this that is an electric cello one guy and beatboxing now he is using a loop machine and creating his own loop there um but that's just one guy now the guy is from pentatonics and he's got his own sort of music he does with the beatbox and everything else and boy oh boy is is he ever incredibly talented and so i just wanted to share how amazing it you take swan lake and that's what this guy does is he makes his own music and does his loops. So if you could make something like this and do that again, I want you to listen to it. Remember, this is one guy. He creates a loop, and then he starts playing over his own loop again with Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake and his beatbox remix. So it's his mouth, the electric cello, and then he's running a loop and starts playing over himself. Matt, if you don't mind, let's play it one more time quick. So there's the loop. It kicks in and he goes and creates all his music. His, his account is fantastic. And um, I would love to talk to this guy and learn a little bit more about it. But um, yeah, pentatonics, first of all, are amazing. And to me, that's mind-blowing. 
I'm not quite sure the cello is on anybody's list, but if you could make music like that, make it sound hip and fresh, I, I would toss that on my list. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, no, the cello is one of the most like mournful and expressive instruments known to man. Yeah, and just the depth. Uh, and the people who play it professionally are so incredibly, you know, skilled and invested into it. Uh, 877-399-9898, your text messages. What would you ever uh, play for an instrument? I would like to learn to play the armpit viola. Uh. <laughs> that's, that, that's like the least uh, suggestive of all the, the gross instrument texts that are coming in. That is the least of the, uh, the dirty ones, that's for sure. Yeah. I'd like to learn to play guitar. Cabby Frank in Toronto. Thank you, Cabby Frank. My girlfriend used to play... Nope, can't read that one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's go to Wendy in Surrey. Nice catch. Uh, hi, Wendy. Hi. What would you play if you had? If you could learn an instrument, you would learn to play what? I would learn to. I would get hair extensions, false eyelashes. I'm going to be 65, and I want to bang on those drums. Really? Hey. Yeah. You, you realize you are allowed to play the drums without the false eyelash and the hair extensions. You can just give her. I know, but I'm 65. I got to try and make myself look at least 50. <laughs> <laughs> is there a particular drummer that you love, Wendy, or you just want to be a drummer? Uh, yeah, there is a particular drummer that I loved, and right. he was with ACDC. No. Nice, nice. Sounds uh, like there's a little rock star crush going on here. Was it? No, you know, I no, not true. My first crush was Kenny Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> After the man who walked on the moon, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've been busy, Wendy. You've yeah, been busy. I have. It all in my mind because I'm still waiting for my divorce and I haven't had a date on a Friday or Saturday that I think I told you guys this for a long time. <laughs> in um, fact, Dan, the trucker, I wouldn't mind meeting up with him. Maybe he needs somebody to keep him awake. Whoa, I could, talk, whoa, to him. Whoa, I could talk to him all the way. <laughs> there you go. Hey, lost uh, misconnections here on the ship. Thank you for listening to The Shift, It'll Do podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show, and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple, Google, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.